0: Today is March 26, 2017, and this is Episode 3 of Atlanta's Own, an Atlanta sports podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, Two Atlanta natives doing nothing but talking about Atlanta professional sports.
1: Adam, how's it going, sir? Uh, Last night was a late night for me, out till 5 a.m., and I lost at arm wrestling twice this weekend, so it's pretty demoralizing, but, um, you know, I'm used to losing. Of course. That's kind of... The whole theme of this show. Right, being from Atlanta. Correct. So, Was it to the same person or was it a different people? <laughs> yeah, John Galvin. Okay. Philly yeah. guy. Yep, Philly guy. So, so it's me. like
0: when Philadelphia owned the uh, NL East for the five-year run they Correct.
1: had. Correct, yeah, which was, I think I'd prefer the Mets beating me over the Phillies. Right. Did you beat him uh, 14 consecutive times before then? Uh, he had never challenged me before, okay. so I just assumed he sucked. I was wrong.
0: But here we are. Here we are. So we're going to get started, as we always do, with the Falcons report. This is all things that happened uh, in the last week pertaining to your Atlanta Falcons. So we'll start off with the signing of two fullbacks by Thomas Dimitrov and Scott Pioli. One being Derek Coleman, a Seahawks (coughs) fullback during their championship run. uh, Did not play last year at all in the NFL. Um, One of the reasons was because he was involved in a hit-and-run accident in Which he shattered someone's clavicle or something, and then just kept Damn. driving. So, I read about why, why was he out for the whole year though? Like, I thought he was he. I mean, I know he was arrested. Yeah, he was suspended four games, and then I think because the uh, the fullback position is a dying breed, no one gave a shit and didn't sign him. Um, on top of the legal issues he was having, so the, Seahawks, the Seahawks did cut him. Yeah, he was he was done. Yeah, so he hasn't played since the 2015 season. So he was out for the 2016 season. So he suspended four games by the league last year, and I'm not sure. Uh, some some people have reported that he still needs to serve that suspension. Others say that because... No, know, since he wasn't actually on a team. Yeah, since he wasn't on a team, but others sure. have reported that um, you know, the suspension is done because he didn't play in a game last year, despite the fact he wasn't on a team. So I'm not sure who to believe there. I wish I had the, the, uh, the concrete information, but I haven't really gotten a straight answer. A lot of ins, a lot of outs there. Indeed. He's actually
1: the first openly well not openly deaf I suppose you are deaf or you are not deaf <laughs> but, right but he, <laughs> deaf. He's, yeah. he's the first ever offensive player who is is deaf I don't know if that affects anything but right I'm not sure either I mean I think
0: he was fine I mean he play, he's played since 2012 with the Seahawks you know he's paid the way for guys like uh, Lynch Marshawn Lynch and Thomas Rawls you know he's got typical fullback numbers you know he's not going to blow you away with anything in terms of receptions or uh, running but Seems like he's a could be a solid addition, and he's a coach bro guy. Obviously, coming from Seattle, so right. So he has a rapport with Quinn. I'm sure Quinn trusts his character.
1: Obviously, bringing him back, he knows the guy.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that the Falcons signed a guy that has a track record. As normally, all three teams in the city refuse to sign anyone who isn't a Cub Scout. So um, even if it is someone who can help right. the team, yep. So that's interesting. So his competition is another guy who didn't play at all last year, who was uh, had some injury problems, uh, was on the Texans. His name is Soma Fainuku. Mm. Um, you he, pretty confident on that pronunciation? I hope so. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent. He went to USC, and sounds like he did it all there. He played fullback. He was also on special teams. He was a 2013 first-team All-Pac-12, where he had 37 tackles and three blocked punts. So it sounds he had four total touchdowns on offense and was reportedly a good blocker. He has a substantial weight of advantage or disadvantage, depending on how you look at it. He's about 30 pounds heavier than Coleman. Coleman's about 235, 245. Uh, Soma is about is in the 265, 270 range. That's a huge fullback. So the interesting thing here is that it sounds like Vainuku has more versatility than Henry and can contribute in more areas, whereas Henry has more experience and has actually had some sustained playing time in the National Football League. Wait, who the fuck's Henry?
1: Fuck. <laughs>
0: Coleman. I keep thinking his name's Derek Henry. I get his name confused. I was that. reading that earlier. I was like, wait. So I kind of like that it's open competition between these two guys. Both of them didn't get a chance to play last year, either because of injury or personal issues. So let him have that yeah, bottom line, though, we're probably only
1: going to carry one of them, correct? I would think so. Um, you know, I heard someone talking about, um, t- you know, Teron Ward? Yeah. Yeah. He like, was uh, third running back, right? Yeah, Yeah. From someone was year. saying, I mean, he could be a fullback as well. He could. And I
0: think he might be in the competition, too. I don't yeah. think it's going to be limited just to two of them, even though
1: that's how it yeah. sounds, but... Yeah, I know you're a fullback guy. I'm not, but I'd, yeah. I'd be more interested in at least seeing what Ward can do because when he has gotten in there, right? He could, I mean, he he's put up some numbers when he's in there. Um, you know, you might see Toilolo back there too. I mean, you could have a competition
0: between where Toilolo is going yeah. back and forth between tight end and fullback, where it could be between Toilolo, uh,
1: Coleman, Ward, and Vainuku. So yeah, for continuity's sake, I'd prefer to have Demarco back, but we're not gonna not gonna make or break our season.
0: No. And I think we can by find. I think
1: either one of these guys or Ward can fill in okay
0: enough that they can open up some running lanes. Yeah, yes. they're,
1: they're both young guys too, so I mean, yeah, they're both in their twenties. Coleman's probably pretty driven now by all that yeah. crap he just went through,
0: and right. And Coleman, I think, is twenty-seven, and Manuka is uh, I think, twenty-three or twenty-four. Mm-hmm. So, it sort of depends on if you want the younger guy that can be more versatile, or a guy who has a proven track record. And I guess it'll come down to how they perform in camp. You know, the days of a guy like uh, a Mike Allstott type are over. He had 950 yards rushing one season. He had 65 receptions in another. He finished with over, you know, 60 total touchdowns. I mean, it's incredible if you look at guys like that. Not that every fullback put up those numbers, but someone who's a key cog of an off- in an offense, and now you have hardly any fullbacks left in the league. There's only like, I mean, I can only think of like five off the top of my head. And two of those signed here this week in Atlanta. You think
1: they've ever had a podcast just like solely devoted to fullbacks? If they did, I'd fit right in, I think. It, feel, it feels like that's what we got now. So it's time to move on. From yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So another signing that the Falcons did was Hugh Thornton at guard, and this is a move that seems to signify that our current right guard, Chris Chester, is probably leaning towards retirement, as has now been rumored for some time. This guy's taking a sweet-ass time to make a decision, though. Huh? He is, in a, and with the cap space, with the cap uh, money running out, I wonder if it's even an option to bring him back at this point. Yeah. Um, so Thornton, quick history on him, was a third-round pick by Indianapolis in 2013. He's battled health issues for most of his career, and has had two stints on the injured reserve list, uh, once in 2015 and once last year. Uh, not highly regarded, from what I've read around um, various NFL sites and Pro Football Focus, but it seems like this is more of a depth signing than anything. I mean, we we've got uh, we drafted some dude last year, right? Yeah, Wes Schweitzer could step in. Yeah, if he somehow is in play for actually starting at right guard and exceeds expectations, that would be his competition. Yeah. So he was a sixth round draft pick last year, Wes Schweitzer, and he didn't play a game, but reportedly was groomed like crazy last season by the coaching staff. Hmm. Um, offensive guard is really a place of need for the Falcons, and I hope Peoli and TD address this in the draft. And one reason for our success last year was the above-average play by the line as a whole. And we saw what happened when you know Carolina didn't address their deficiencies at offensive line after the last offseason, which resulted in their reigning MVP, Cam yeah, Newton, being yeah. absolutely pulverized. So we can't afford to let that happen again to Matt like it did in the dark Smithy years when we refused to sign – players who could protect Fox our $120 years, million yeah. dollar quarterback, and I'm still pissed about that. Yeah, and I think Matt's gotten over the ghosts, but that was a bruising part of his career. That 20 what 13 through 15 campaign, those campaigns was just horrific on him. He was hit so many times. Where are you on uh, Jake Matthews? Is he the guy or not? I think he's the guy for the position. He's not the guy that we thought we were getting. Yeah. At least, I don't think there's any reason to give up on him yet, but uh he's been average he's been league average and um you know i think he's done a solid job he's been beaten many times but he's also held his own many times but he hasn't done anything and it's hard to quantify um you know offensive linemen just by the eye test especially but mm. I, i've seen i've i've seen many times where he's been blown by by guys and i've seen plenty of times where he's held his own so he's been okay but a third overall
1: pick he should be performing better in, in terms of i guess our expectations for him i yeah, know or- our friends over at uh, Six Eighty the Fan, Chuck A Chernoff. Yeah, Chuck is quite convinced that we lost the Super Bowl because of Jake Matthews. Yeah, but at the same time, you probably don't
0: get there. Like, who? If he wasn't there, who would you plug in? He would have. Whoever it was would have been would have done a worse job. Right. Right. So, but I do understand
1: that. Like, I think the expectations were just they were through especially the roof. Coming from that family, where you just assume greatness is always going to be there for the Matthews family. Yeah. Um. Yeah. First round draft pick. I mean, was that the top fifteen pick? I used the third. I well, no. Oh, he was like the sixth or seventh. Yeah. Pick or something like it was that. Up there. I know. I said he was the third, but that's
0: clearly not true. I, th- I think he was like the seventh. He was the top ten pick. I believe. When yeah. The, one of those years, he really sucked. There's no reason to give up on him at all. Um. So better than Sam Baker. Yeah. And or you know maybe he has hit his ceiling and this is just kind of the guy he's going to be for the rest of his career. We yep. don't know. Yeah. Um. So, what
1: areas do you think the Falcons should address in the draft? So, I mean, I'm, like, guard, definitely. Yeah. If we take a guard in the first round, I'm cool with that. Um, I guess I mean, like, the first four picks. Like, what would you want to see?
0: Or maybe three picks and how they attack that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I want a DN with that first pick. Mm -hmm. This kid, uh, Takarist McKinley, Mm -hmm. UCLA guy. Okay. I mean, he seems like a beast. Uh, 6'2", 250, um, some dude on the radio was talking about him, just saying he's very unrefined so far, mm-hmm. um, but he's got a motor. And it's just like the type of guy that Dan Quinn would love to get his hand, hands on and just mold uh, into his system. But, um, you know, get a guy like that on the opposite side of um, Vic, Yeah, that's what I'd like to see first of all. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset with a guard or even if there's a safety there. To go alongside Keanu.
0: Yeah, I kind of like what Ricardo Allen did last year, especially in the postseason. I think he's got room to grow. No one's really sees him as the option long term, so I wouldn't lose sleep over drafting a, another uh, drafting a, a safety, to, another safety to complement Keanu. But I also feel like Ricardo, he's going to want to get
1: paid soon.
0: Yeah, so it'd be good to draft for depth at the very least. Yeah. Um, in case we can't afford to keep uh, Rico around. Yep. Yeah, as for me, like I really want to address linebacker. I think we don't have any depth there and I would rather take a linebacker before I'm going to take a, uh, a defensive end just because I feel like we have so much depth, at defensive end, even though we don't have that key piece to compliment yeah yeah. I'm scared because all we have on with our linebackers is Dion Jones, who I love Leroy Reynolds and uh, Devondre Campbell and Worlow's gone, which is fine, but um, you can bring back Philip Wheeler, I guess, you know, he's, he played a lot last year. He's, he's you know he's fine. He's adequate. Or you can see what Spoon's got, you know, and bring him back. Though I, just, I, I wonder how much gas he has left in the tank after sustaining nah, so many. I don't trust him at all. Yeah, he sustained so many season-ending injuries throughout his career.
1: So um, there's only only so many chances you can give a guy like that. Like he was awesome for us when he first came up. But yeah, I know he's a leader in the locker room, but I don't think he's finished. He this hasn't season. stayed healthy. I don't think he's finished this season since, yeah, it's been like 2012, yeah. 2011.
0: I think 2012, the, the, the run the NFC title game, I think that was the last time he played a full season. Yeah. He did. I mean, he looked awesome. The first, what did he play like the first five games this year? I think it was like three or four, but yeah, yeah he was, he was good. He looked good. He, um, he was out there, but yeah. So I would definitely like to address this. Get uh, some more depth, get some depth here and hopefully find someone who can play alongside Jones and, uh, and Devondre. Um, like you said, I would also be okay with Beasley. I definitely think we need to, you know, attack my my sort of top three is linebacker, guard, and um, defensive end. Those, yeah. Those, however you want to do it, Thomas. However you see it, those. Well, it is
1: nice that we don't just have a glaring weakness where it's like we need to take this guy, so right. We can really take the best available out there for those positions for uh, the most part. Agreed. Agreed. So I think. And every year it seems like there's one guy that was going to be like a top 15 pick that mm-hmm. could fall to 31, and if he's there, we can snag, yeah, snag him. Yeah, um, for sure. But that's really, uh,
0: so not a lot of big Falcons news this week, so we'll uh, we'll move on to more
1: depressing news. If you want to call Graham about and talk some fullbacks, he's there for that. Absolutely. 24-7. Yeah, if you want to talk about the glory days of uh, Ovi Mahaley
0: and Mike Allstott and guys like that.
1: Justin um, Turner. You don't remember that guy? I don't
0: remember who Justin... Oh, was he... Justin Griffith.
1: Justin Griffith.
0: <laughs> Sounds like, who the shit is Justin Turner? <laughs> Just oh, yeah, Griffin. Justin Turner. Uh, Justin Griffith from the uh, Mike Vick days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Loved him. He was a classic. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's move on. Uh, let's move on <laughs> to our, uh, our friends, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, we are in full free-fall mood at this point. They have not won a game since our first episode a couple weeks ago. Um, Seven-game losing streak Seven-game losing streak, including
1: today against Brooklyn. First time we've had consecutive losing streaks, well not consecutive, but twice in one season of seven games or more since 06-07, which is the last year we didn't make the playoffs. Paul Millsap is
0: still out, and uh, so is Kent Bazemore, uh, but we are winless this year without Paul on the floor. I think we're 0-8 now Yeah, without him. Um, going into today, we were tied for fifth place with Milwaukee, who beat us um, by three on Friday night. And I think we're only three games, three or three and a half games over the playoff line. Cool. Um, this team looked like absolute garbage today. Uh, it was really an unacceptable performance from, from everyone. I mean, we were beaten by double digits by the worst team in basketball at home. They have 15 wins. You know, the sad thing about the Hawks is they're like a one-winged bird right now, flying around in circles, not knowing where to go. Take them to the vet. Put him down, euthanize him, take him out back to the firing squad and shoot him again. This team is done. And if you've ever looked at that Nets roster, it's like embarrassing. Yeah, you know, you got guys like Rondé Hollis Jefferson throwing down on us. You know, he had a big breakaway dunk. You had Brooke Lopez going off. Dwight was really slow on defense today. Uh, Jeremy Lin, who's clearly, you know, not in his prime anymore, just owning Dennis. He's probably their best playmaker, though. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And then, you know... It's pretty much just Dennis, Dwight, and Tim, you know. Uh, and know Torian Prince had a big game today, but the bench only had a collective seven, seven points. points. <laughs> That's not ideal. I don't really care if Paul comes back at this point. I mean, no. I, I'd rather just say, hey, man,
1: take take the rest of the season off. If this is how we're going to play. This is absolute horseshit. Yeah, I mean, we might as well just try to get in the lottery at this point. I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to end up playing the, the damn Cavs in the first round. Yeah. Today was sort of just the nail in the coffin. It was almost like yeah,
0: worst we didn't in the NBA at home. Yeah, we didn't win those two games, and those were kind of like, I guess, the games that we really needed to, you know, if we could win that, maybe we could rally around that. But now we just
1: look terrible today, just so flat and lifeless. Can't get any offense going. Did you see Jose Calderon running around out there? Yeah. Like, he looks like an AAU player at best right now. Like, yeah. I thought. I mean, he was coming in here for his offense. and He's done nothing. He's done
0: nothing. does nothing but air balls. Um, you know, Dwight's help defense is still terrible. I mean, Brooke Lopez just owned him in the paint. Dwight, the last couple of games has looked better in the post. He's tried to take more of the load offensively, um, against Milwaukee. He scored 20 points for the first time since I think February 2nd. So I guess that was encouraging to see, but it's just not enough. This team has no flow, no fluidity. It's, uh, it's ugly right now. And it's, I, I have no reason to believe that this team is going to make the postseason, even with the shitty
1: teams yeah. in the East. And even if they do, it's going to be a quick four-game sweep, whoever we play. I'm officially not a Dwight guy, though. Like, Just looking at this box score, 3 of 12 from the line.
0: Yeah, he's a terrible free throw. shooter. Cr-
1: but like, that'll just kill you, man. I don't know. This team is a mess.
0: This team is an absolute mess. And I really don't have any interest in watching them anymore this year. I will because yeah. I'm, I love my team, but That's they inspire no... They inspire nothing right now. Well, there's not.
1: There's just nothing to get excited about for the future either. I mean, No. Schroeder. I do think in like two to three years, Schroeder will be considered one of the best point guards in the league. I could see that happening. I could see that happening. But he's not there yet. No. So I mean, we got to obviously sort of... having Teague around was a lot more crucial than we thought. Um, yeah. Because Dennis isn't ready,
0: um, but I think he'll grow into that. Um... Something that happened this week was while Millsap was out, it was announced that he's going to opt out of his deal. He had one year left on his deal, uh, so he could have stayed for another year and made twenty plus million dollars. But he had the player option to option out of it, so he announced this week that he's going to do that. Wants to come back, but once again, it would be a max deal. And if we sign him to a max deal, it's two hundred seven million dollars, and you just, he just can't absurd. pay you can't pay Paul Millsap that 32 much money. Thirty two year old, as much as I love him, yeah, that's thirty five million dollars a
1: year or something like that. I feel like his reasons for wanting to stay have to be like going downhill day by day with each loss. Like, I mean, what, what does he want to do? Uh, obviously he loves playing here. I mean, he said, I want to come back, but
0: I wonder if this year's going to, you know, with all the things that have happened with Dwight and with Dennis and coach Bud and just the chemistry not being there like it used to be. I mean, this team is a shell yeah. of that. And it's not even a shell. There's nothing really left from that uh, magical 2014-2015 run. It's pretty much Cephalosha and Millsap and Schroeder, but Schroeder didn't really have that big of a role in that team other than being the backup point guard.
1: So, yeah, a couple, I mean, a couple of years ago, I remember you and I having the conversation of like which Atlanta team is most likely to win a championship next, and we were definitely saying Hawks with, with Bud coming in and the direction the franchise was going, but now that's just completely flip-flopped, and I would definitely put the Falcons or Braves' chances. At least they have solid direction, solid leadership, so when you have the ownership
0: group like we have now with Tony Ressler coming in, saying he wants to win a championship, you know, this is a much better ownership group than the Atlanta Spirit, which was god-awful. They can never agree on what they wanted to do. They lost us the damn hockey team as well. Um, so you wonder, what, what trajectory do they want to take? Um, do they want to stay in basketball purgatory or go to hell and tank with a shot at redemption?
1: Are you saying tank is in this year? Just like try to get in the lottery this year? I'm or saying... Publicly, you can never do that. Publicly, obviously. you can't do that. And with Bud as the coach,
0: I don't think he would want to do that. No. Because he can't separate himself like we talked about last week. Right. But Or do we just say in the offseason, we trade away Bazemore, we trade away Howard, we clear up a ton of cap space and just say, look, the next couple of years are going to be rough. Yeah. And maybe try to trade up and get a guy like a Josh Jackson or Malik Monk or De'Aaron Fox or Jason Tatum or somebody... That can be a high-impact top-ten pick that can come in here and start two that maybe we can build around. But at the same time, I don't really see that happening. It's sort of a pipe dream.
1: Yeah. Um, I would be happy if if we went that direction, though. Like, There's just nothing to get excited about anymore. Yeah. We know what we have, and it's actually worse than I thought it was. Yeah. The buzz around the city for the Hawks
0: is non-existent again, yeah. which is sad. But, I mean, it's warranted considering how they played. Yep. I wonder what the fan base would want to do though. Like if you were to ask ten Hawks fans, like legitimate Hawks fans who follow the team, what they would want to do, what the what the reaction would be.
1: I think any legitimate fans would say what we're saying. Cause we watch it like we do more than just pay go to one game a year mm-hmm. and wanna see a few dunks from Dwight. Yep. Like we wanna see solid basketball, which isn't the case. They should, I mean Yeah. You would never know if you're to watch this team this
0: year and watch the 2014-2015 team. You would never know it's the same coach. Yeah. You'd never know. There's no ball movement. Um, Assists are down. You know, we
1: have, I guess, a rim protector, but he's not... His help defense just sucks. Yeah. I was listening to Steve Holman on the radio today. He sounded like he wanted to puke the whole time calling that game.
0: Yeah. And that's how he sounded. I feel bad for Steve. No one has suffered more (laughs) than Steve has. Uh, 35 plus years he's been doing this. Yeah. Yeah, there's really no, nothing else to say about it. Um, I hope we do what's necessary to try to revitalize this franchise, and we'll see what the front office does in the offseason. Uh, so moving on to the Braves. Um, R.A. Dickey actually had a solid outing on Saturday. Uh, went six innings, only gave up two runs despite getting shelled a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, the starting lineup was finally back together after the World Baseball Classic, so I think they've only played six games together yeah. until NCRT and, and Freddie and Julio Tehran got back in town, so it was nice to see that. Dan's Dan's being uh,
1: Brandon Phillips up the middle.
0: Yeah. That's they had a beautiful a, thing. They had a very nice, uh, nice play if you missed it. Phillips made a diving stop, flipped it behind his back to Swanson. Swanson went on to Freeman for a, a slick double play. So hopefully we see that. Quite often this year. Yep. And um, getting into the rumor mill, since there's not really too much going on with spring training at this point, um, Jose Quintana, who is a very good starter for Chicago White Sox, um, he's apparently on the block. A lot of reports are linking multiple teams to him, but also the Braves. So a little bit about Quintana. He's been pitching since 2013, I think, or 2012 a lefty right he's a lefty he's averaged uh, at least four wins above replacements per year um he's pitched over 200 innings his last three um his last three seasons good strikeout numbers definitely a very very solid pitcher who can slot in as a as a two honestly on this rotation maybe even a one i think he can certainly rival uh julio tayron i don't think he's as good a pitcher but you know is he's something? a very underrated guy. He's an underrated guy. And a he's lot signed, of people probably don't yeah. know about him. He's signed to a great contract, four years, $38 million, which is really undervaluing a guy like him. And so a lot of people are wondering,
1: should the Braves pursue this deal? Yeah, I didn't realize the contract situation was that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not ready to give up on these prospects. Though. I know, I know that, that's, that was the whole goal was to stockpile them so we could trade them off, but... Well, you also want
0: to develop them and try to bring them up, too. Right. So it de- sort of depends, I guess. But at the same time, you know, I wonder who who the White Sox would ask for. They'd probably ask for Swanson. They'd ask for Albies. They'd ask for... No way. I don't think they'd ask for Whistler or um, Blair just because they haven't done anything at the major league level. They would probably go for Newcomb or Freed or Allard or um, Kevin Mighton, the uh, incredible 16-year-old prospect we have right now. Um so, they'd, they'd be asking for guys that I really don't want to get. Yeah, them. the more you
1: talk about that, no, hell no, let's not do it. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> any one of those guys you just named could be a Quintana. Yeah, or better. Know? Yeah, or better. So, yeah, I, depending on the position, too. The upside isn't there for me. I, I don't want to, like, Albies and Swanson, that is the future to me yeah. on our infield. So, I don't want to part with either of them. Certainly. And I think all those
0: pitchers, even, the, even Whistler and even Blair. A couple have, people got to be hits. Yeah. Even Whistler and even Blair. Am not giving up on them yet? And they probably don't want them. So uh, John Hart actually commented on this and said, he agrees with us. He said, you know, we hey. signed three one-year guys with Cologne, Dickey, and Garcia. We did that because we do have the new stadium, and we're still growing this team. Our whole mantra has been young players. It's worked. We like where we've gone. Our firm system has gone from worst to first. At this point, we're probably likely not going to move these guys. So Good. this is pretty much a non-story, but it was <laughs> worth bringing up for the... At least to play fantasy journal manager a little bit and wonder about the possibilities of having a guy like, uh, you know, Quintana coming and slotting right behind Tehran, which would be sweet. It's just I don't yeah. think asking price is worth nah. it. You know who would have made that move in a second? Oh, Mister, uh, what's his name? Frank Wren. Frank Wren, Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he would have pulled the trigger. Yeah, and then Alves, two months ago, Alves would have gone on to be a uh, MVP candidate or something like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we we have the like I said, we've got the right uh, leadership. In that front office, and I, I trust them. Other than lie to us to our
0: face and say, "Oh, we're not rebuilding." They could have at least said that. But yeah, you know, I guess from a PR standpoint, you can't tell when you're selling, trying to sell a product. You can't say it's
1: going to suck. No, in fairness, I mean, it hasn't been. Granted, we don't know what we are this year. And the whole, our spring training record's not looking great. <laughs> it's I do not have to say that. But once again, you like got six keep, wins. You got to keep in
0: mind that um, the team hasn't been fully together. Yeah. Our old pitchers
1: don't give a fuck about right. spring training. Yeah. So I, I put no stake in our record right now. We can't start off like if we do what we did last year and start off with like a ten game losing streak or some crap like that. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think that team was
0: over freddie Gonzalez's uh way of doing things to become really stale and poor Freddie. Poor Freddie. But it just wasn't happening anymore, and I think that team was over, yeah. that message. And as we saw with what Snicker was able to do, you know, once we bring in Matt Kemp... And also, the roster sucked, so it wasn't totally Freddie Gonzalez right. fault. But once we got Matt Kemp, that sort of
1: lit a torch on everyone's ass, and then we had that incredible last month and a half. Back to my original point about this whole rebuilding process. It hasn't been as brutal and painstaking a process as I anticipated. Uh, we saw the light at the end of the tunnel at the end of this past season, which helps a lot. So, I mean... If we can get back to being a five hundred ball club this year, wasting two seasons is totally worth it. Right. Especially when the minor league teams look
0: so incredible. Yeah. And the, you know, many and then you got Kevin Mighton, who I was looking up this week, is a shortstop prospect. I mean, um, Gandhi over at Chop County, really good guy who covers the uh Chop County's the ESPN sort of um, Affiliate, okay. affiliate of the Braves or whatever. You know, every every team has their own little blog, I guess. So he he runs the blog there. He's been covering the Braves forever. Wrote this great piece um, detailing the top ten Braves prospects, and he's been talking about Kevin Mighton for a little while now. He's only sixteen. He's apparently a, sixteen years old. Yeah, he's apparently he, he has the highest signing bonus of any international free agent. I think the Braves have signed like four four point two five million or something like yeah. that. Apparently, has like once in a generation. Kind of player. That's what all of these uh, scouts are saying, like Miguel Cabrera <laughs> kind of awesome. guy. So here's hoping that that pans out. But um, yeah, as I mean, he's just one piece of the puzzle in terms of what this front office has accomplished and trading away bad contracts, trading away guys who are going to leave and getting real value from that has been quite impressive, despite the fact that they've lied about, oh, we're not going to trade Kimberl, oh, we're not going to trade Justin, oh, we're not going to trade Andy. It's all yielded good things. Yep. So until that crumbles, uh, I'm going to keep believing in the front office. Moving on to the fourth outfielder situation. Um, still some question marks around there. There's some rumors that uh, we're in to maybe try to sign Angel Pagan. Um, He's a free agent had a pretty good season with San Francisco last year, even though, but he's clearly on the decline. Yeah. He wants $5 million. I think that's way
1: too much for a guy who's not going to be playing every day. So ex-Giant, I feel like he's probably beaten us in the playoffs, like on seven different occasions. Actually, no, he was, he was on the Giants after that. Before that. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, he was, he came after the Giants kicked our ass. Yeah. Um, He's on the Mets for a while before the Giants. Uh, you actually yeah. yelled at him at one game we went to where you said, Angel, you suck. You'll never win a championship. Nice. He proved you wrong. Damn it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, good on me for trying at yeah. least. You probably motivated him. The Giants thank you for their 2000. <laughs> None of that uh, would have happened if yeah, it weren't for, but, for their 2014 championship, I guess is the one they won with him. Or for some little
1: shithead in the outfield seats screaming at a major league player. Yep. So, too rich for your blood? Yeah. I mean... So, I mean, Chase Darno, this guy is still in the picture, right? Yes. Like, he's a good little player. Yeah. I like that guy. I mean, he's versatile. can play multiple positions. I'm fine plugging him in there Mm -hmm. once or twice a week, you know, and that's really all you need. Um, We've got Emilio on the roster already, Bonifacio. I like Emilio a lot. I like him for his speed. He's bulked up a little bit. He's hit really well in
0: spring training. Uh, You know, he's definitely competing out there because he wants a roster spot, and he's definitely not a shared one. Um, I like him definitely as a pinch runner type, too. Next topic, Ozzy Albies is going back to AAA after staying a knee injury. It's nothing serious. Um, he's now our number one prospect once Swanson loses his prospect status. Uh, this spring training, he hit 375 with a 500 on base percentage and 16 at-bats. So not a huge sample size, but definitely encouraging, especially considering the hype around this guy. Uh, last year in A, he tore it up, hitting 369, 442 and 512. For those of you not aware of what I just said, that's a 369 batting average, 442 on base percentage, and a 512 slugging percentage. Those are all exceptional numbers. Uh, Gwinnett, at Gwinnett, he came up uh, halfway through the year last year. He struggled a little bit, hitting 248, 307, and 351. But he was only, I think he's only 19 then, he's 20 now. Uh, I have no issue with this. Young Buck. Yeah, letting him get adjusted to AAA. No reason to rush him when Phillips is there keeping the seat warm for him. Yeah, and that's why
1: we brought Phillips in in the first place. So. Mm-hmm. Especially after Sean Rodriguez injuring himself. Yeah, that really sucks. Yeah. I was but, looking forward to seeing that guy play.
0: Yeah, I, I hope he can come back next year and play with us and that this injury that he sustained won't, you know, affect his career too much. Right, right. So, I expect, though, that Albies will be caught up at some point this season. I think if he continues to play as well as he has...
1: Um, there's no reason not to. And yeah. Yeah, we, we know injuries happen, so yeah. I think he's proved enough at this point. Yeah. So now
0: we're moving on to our topic of the week where we discuss some bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not newsworthy, just this is more strictly our opinions on things. Uh, I think this one could be one of our more controversial topics. We've brought into play thus far. And we're
0: not going to talk about the legacy teams, so none of the Hawks, Braves, or Falcons. This is about the new team, the fresh kid on the block, the hot girl down the street, however you want to call
1: it, Atlanta United, the MLS team. And as Graham said last week, sorry longtime homers if you're not into Atlanta United. But we're going to try. So we'll preface this whole conversation by saying Graham and I know jack shit about soccer. Yes. Is that fair? That is absolutely fair. I can only, I think, I maybe have watched 20 soccer matches in my lifetime. I have a vague understanding of what offsides is now after, like, Googling it and yeah. trying to pay attention. Um, a red card means you're totally fucked. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, yellow card means you're slightly fucked. Yeah, not good news. Uh, slightly less good news. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but nonetheless, uh, we have a new soccer team, the Atlanta United, who when I first found this out, I wasn't really excited at all. And as I believe brought this up in week one, uh, my interest has been peaked due to the fact that one of our high school uh, old classmates is the starting goalie, Alec kan. Uh So that's made me watch it. And then I see the excitement with like the sold out crowds at Bobby Dodd. Which is cool. Uh, puts Atlanta in a good light in the sports world for once, which I suppose we need to embrace when we can. Absolutely. I, I
0: love the, the passion that people have for the team already. I think that's really exciting.
1: Indeed. Uh, but, on the other hand, this passion for this brand new team that, is it sustainable? that I'm guessing a lot of the fans, I mean, that's general generalizing, but I'm guessing... There are definitely a lot of fans like me that aren't lifelong soccer fans, don't fully understand the game, but they're getting behind this a lot. And it's just like a trendy, hip thing to do right now. And it kind of pisses me off that we can't get this same sort of support for the teams that have been here since the 60s. And like the Braves, Falcons, Hawks, we definitely don't see this type of passion for it, uh, especially early on. Um, well, I think...
0: I think there's a number of factors to consider here. I'm going to try to break it all down. So to me, it's kind of like when you're first starting out in a relationship and you really like the person. They really like you. It's young. It's hot. It's fresh. You're humping like horses every time you get together. It's a wonderful thing. I think that definitely has something to do with it, is that it's something we've never seen before in the city. So I think that is a factor. That's one factor. Two, Atlanta is the ultimate transplant city. People didn't grow up with Major League Soccer. Um, you know, it's a young league, but a lot of people grew up with soccer. And it's a world sport that's been around forever. And you have this place, Atlanta, where all these different people come from either out of the country or from out of state, and they uh, they enjoy their soccer. And they find out there's an MLS team, and maybe they're not as into the other sports as, uh, as much as soccer. And so they gravitate towards
1: the new soccer team. I was watching the game with my wife, Veronica first on air shout out. And, um, like generally when the two of us watch sports, she's always asking me questions about like, who's that? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. blah. But like for us watching soccer, I mean, a, she was a lot more interested in it in the game than I ever see her watching sports and b like, she would ask me a question and I was like, literally, you know, just as much as I do right now. Like I don't, but you can follow along pretty easily, so I, I suppose that's another factor at play here. Right. It's uh, the action's always ongoing. Um,
0: you know, there aren't dull periods like there are in, uh, you know, in baseball. People can argue there are dull periods in baseball. I love the strategy between every pitch, but most people say it's fucking horseshit that, yeah. uh, that that takes ten minutes, and I, you know, I can understand that argument. Um. So I think you know those are two big factors. I think also the way they're marketing this team. I think what Arthur's doing, uh, marketing this team is really smart. The way they've really reached out to... They've really hit their target demographic, which is young people, um, mixed cultures. They're doing a hell of a job marketing this team. You walk around the city. You uh, see these flags everywhere. Flags are everywhere. You talk to people. I, I see gear. I see gear everywhere I go. I was in Publix the other day. I saw seven people thereabouts with... It was more than I could count on one hand with Atlanta United gear on. And I was like... Was this before a
1: match or something? No. This was like two days ago. Good on me for knowing it's a match and not a game as well. Well said. Um, um Well, did you, did you go up to him and say, hey, man, where you like your Chipper Jones jersey?
0: No. I mean, I... People can do whatever the hell they want with their money. I, you know, like, I, even though, you know, I was bitching and whining on uh, our first show about not having enough people show up for... um for games against bigger uh, out-of-market teams or just games in general, you know, who am I to fucking tell people how to spend their money? But at the same time, as a purist fan, I understand your frustration a little bit with why isn't the support here for the for the legacy teams.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, I just don't think a lot of people here grew up with the legacy teams because they're from other places. And so they feel like, now that I'm here, I've planted my roots this is a team I can get behind and can be part of my own heritage and can go back to what we were talking about, you know, first show again where you're starting to build relationships through, through sports and they're, maybe they weren't able to do it with the other teams. They didn't like baseball or basketball or uh, football, and now I feel like they can do it with,
1: um, with Atlanta United. But what I, I don't want to, like the danger zone here is this just becoming another thrashers. Hockey in Atlanta. I would argue against that for the following reasons: one,
0: soccer is a much more popular sport; two, they have a much better ownership group;
1: and generalized, what ownership group or a popular sport? I mean, well, universally around the world. Down south, either though, I would say neither of them are particularly popular. But think about in the city. I'm not talking about out
0: of state. I'm not talking about rural Georgia. I'm talking about in Atlanta. (laughs) where, you know, it's a very diverse group of people in the city inside the perimeter. These are the people that are going to the games. Right. And these are the people that are really getting behind. They are targeting the city like crazy. If you drive to Carrollton or something like that, you're not going to see Atlanta United flags waving around. You're going to see college football stuff. You might see Falcons stuff, whatever. The point is, is that they're targeting... The last
1: time you are in Carrollton, Georgia?
0: Uh, it's been a few years. Okay. But I'm using that as a broad example. If you go outside the perimeter, if you were to go, you know to Macon or something. You ain't seeing Atlanta United stuff. But they are targeting the hell out of the city, and they're doing a fantastic job. 30,000 season tickets sold. Um, I don't think that Michael Guerin and those guys from uh, Atlanta Spirit, I wanted to call them something else. I, I could tell. Uh, I saw the way your lips were forming. Yeah. They, they did a shitty job of marketing the team, and <laughs> there were plenty of people that liked the Thrashers. But once again, it wasn't something... That was ingrained in us. Even though Atlanta had a lot of minor league hockey teams, Atlanta Knights, I went to a ton of those games as a kid. I just went to an Atlanta Gladiators game this week for the first time, which was, I believe, fun. it's
1: the Gwinnett Gladiators. They
0: actually changed it to Atlanta. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but once again, that. Uh, hockey doesn't speak to as many people as as soccer does in terms of the worldwide population. And then you have all these people come in here and um, who really enjoy that sport.
1: Right. So while I was thinking about this whole Thrashers United thing, I I did a little Wikipedia search of the Thrashers, and really they were exactly, they epitomized Atlanta sports. So what I didn't realize was the Thrashers were our second NHL hockey team. Yeah, we had the Flames. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so I forgot about the Flames. So yeah, you had the Flames. We lost them in 1980. And they came back. Right? And
0: then we lost them again. No. Didn't that happen? Uh uh-uh. uh. No? Okay. No, no, no. I thought we uh, lost them twice.
1: But we're the only city to ever lose two NHL teams, which is quite entertaining. And then also, the first two picks of Thrasher's history is this guy, Patrick Stefan and Luke Sellers, were called two of the biggest disappointments in draft history. And Stefan was the worst first overall pick of all time. Very, like, Billy Knight could have made that pick. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. like the Marvin Williams pick. Um, Atlanta in a nutshell. So,
0: here's a question for you then. Um, if this is sustainable in terms of people's love for the, the team, what's going to drive that? Uh, obviously winning, but yeah. even if they don't win, do you think the interest is going to stay? Do you think, like, I'm, I'm saying, let's say they go to the playoffs, they make the playoffs every other year, they're in the mix, they're in the mix, they're a contender for the title, for the next five seasons, but they don't reach the top. They're kind of like how the Braves were in the um, late '90s, early 2000s kind of thing. Yeah, like they're doing well consistently, but they're kind of just they've hit a ceiling. Um, what do you
1: think? Do you think it's still going to be this outpour of people? No, I sold mean, out no matter what happens, it's going to drop off from what it is now, and I think it'll just fall back into what Atlanta sports fans do. Like, if we put a good product out there, they're going to be supported. Mm -hmm. Um, But, no, I think people will drop off real quick if they start losing. Yeah, I think if it becomes a situation
0: where, yeah, we're below 500 team consistently, then I think the love affair is going to die down a little bit. You're not going to hump like horses every time you get together. You're going to have sex maybe once a week in the metaphor range kind of thing. Right. You know, but the, the passion, the fire isn't there anymore. Um, but I still think this team's going to, and maybe I'm crazy, but I still think you're going to get people because we're dealing with a different kind of fan. Yeah. For them, and maybe not in total because there's plenty of people that I know who are, who like the other teams who are getting into Atlanta United. So I don't want to generalize, but overall, I think we're dealing with a different
1: type of That's fan. That's fair. That's fair. To a degree. It's not me and you who are just, constantly surly and expecting to lose cuz right Atlanta does right and some
0: people don't give a fuck and just think this is cool it's a soccer game it's a social event i'm just going to go out and have fun right right and the minds of of fans all across the board are always different and they're kicking ass they're scoring goals like crazy we've got the leader in the mls and, and scoring on the team
1: yeah
0: um you know after that first game they just I think it was four nothing, five one,
1: something like that. Yeah. So, uh, now, like I said, I'm not hating on the team or the sport or anything. I just wish people throw a little bit of that passion and love to some of the longtime yeah. teams. Well, I think we, I think the Falcons certainly got that on their Super Bowl
0: run. Yeah, um, you know, seeing, but it takes us going to a Super Bowl for that to happen. You know, to a degree, um, I think you know the end of the season. I think the last couple weeks of the season going for like. It was getting to a fever pitch for the Falcons. But yeah, overall, the I went to like four games last year, I think, for the Falcons. And went, you know, from the Cardinals game to, uh, I think, the game before the Saints game. And then you transition to the playoffs. It was like almost an entirely different atmosphere.
1: But it, like as recent as like two years ago, that year we went, I guess that year I got married, where we were like eight and eight. And we're in eight and eight. I think we were like seven and nine. Where we had like the last game with the Panthers that could have put us in the Smitty's last game. I mean, there was no support behind that team. No, that team
0: underperformed like crazy, and the division sucked. There was no reason (laughs) for the fact that that was deciding who was going to the playoffs.
1: It was was pathetic. Made the NFC South a joke. Yeah.
0: That season. So,
1: Graham, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you plan on going to any Atlanta United games this year? Are you going to be a contribute? Financially, yeah, I'd,
0: I'd, I would like to certainly. I think the um, I'm in a similar boat with Adam, like we talked about, where I'm not a huge soccer fan in general. The game doesn't excite me the way, and part of it was just I wasn't brought up on it. Right. I think that also goes back to once again, people brought up on a sport are going to gravitate towards it if it's available to them to consume. That's why we're baseball guys, right? And um, but yeah, I definitely want to go to some games, uh, it's affordable. I think what they've, that's another thing, too. They made the tickets very affordable. Yeah, that's,
1: that's pretty awesome. Be it
0: season tickets or um, single-game tickets. I mean, these, these are very reasonable ticket prices, you know. Particularly at Bobby Dodd right now, I mean, you can get a pretty solid seat, you know, in Section 133 or something like that for, like, 30 bucks. I mean, you can also do the same thing and go to SunTrust Park for a single game and get, like, a $35 ticket in the outfield. But, it's, but you know, when it's new, when it's cheap, when I can get a good seat where I can see everything, uh, you know, that's fantastic. I'm also excited about, you know, seeing a game in the Mercedes-Benz Dome just because of the spectacle of it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's an Atlanta sports team. I love, I love my city. I love my people. So I want to embrace this new experience, even though I'm not a soccer fan. So I'm definitely interested in going to uh, at least three or four games this year. So what's your reaction
1: if they win a, what do they call it? MLS cup, I believe. Perhaps MLS title. If they, a championship, they're on top at the end, uh, do you feel like that's, like, would you consider that an Atlanta sports championship, like, yes. on the same level as, like, if the Braves won the World Series?
0: Uh, objectively, it's on the same level because it's an Atlanta sports team winning a professional championship. But to you personally? So yes, to Subjectively, it's not because I don't have the history with this team. So, uh, you know, if the Braves, Hawks, or Falcons win a championship, another one in my lifetime, I'm going to cry for probably, like, 20 minutes or something. Like I'll be sobbing uncontrollably. If so, Atlanta, so not as long as you cried after the Super Bowl? I did cry. No, I won't be. Because I cried after the Super Bowl for at least like an hour. I yeah. cried myself to sleep. Uh, and It was pathetic. Uh, but I, I would be excited if Atlanta United won a championship, especially if I get to go to a few games. I think if, right. once I go to a few games, I can definitely get more into it. Um, and I, the atmosphere, at least watching on television... Bobby Dodd so far has been astounding. No, it looks amazing. Um, so that automatically gets me pumped that people are rallying together like that. And so I'm hoping that the effect Atlanta United will have on the city will be that it will, get people, uh, it will get people invested in a new thing and also allow them to say, well, hell, this was fun. It's not soccer season right now. What are the Braves doing? What are the Falcons doing? What are the Hawks doing? Yeah. And hopefully... Um, I think SunTrust Park initially is also going to have that same effect. Um, you know, where people are going to want to go to the stadium. I was trying to get some tickets maybe for the Sunday game, an opening weekend, and it was like no. So oh no no no. no. <laughs> like, and, and so, at least on the uh, Braves official ticket site. So that's another instance where it's it's the new girlfriend, something it's, new. It's, yeah, it's it's uh you know it's it's hot, it's exciting. So um, I'm hoping this is sustainable for the city. Though I think it's really exciting. I definitely want to be a part of it but no to answer your question it won't have the same impact even if i get really invested in it just because i don't have the history and i don't have the love for soccer that i have for basketball football or baseball i wasn't i didn't play it that much i played two seasons of soccer when i was five years old and six years old i scored in the wrong goal and i went ape shit and i was like yeah and then my uh teammate came up to me i was like hey idiot you scored in the wrong goal now we're down by two, two goals with two minutes left and we could be down by one and i was like well, fuck me as a little six year old. How was
1: your endurance back then? Did you run all day?
0: Well, I, I ran quite a bit. I would fall over a lot. I liked falling over. So I, I like to go for the ball and just sort I like of. Like th- to dive, makes it look cool. Yes. Yeah. And I love to hit the ground and um, roll around and just be silly. So, you know, I didn't really. <laughs> silly I didn't really. Uh, Some little turd kid. Pretty much. I'm sure I was a pain in the ass to all my teammates. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it won't be the same. It won't be the same, but it would still be great for the for, for the city. So
1: yeah, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'm I'm supporting them. I'm following it. But you just I want to see something. You're, you're the crotchety old man who wants, exactly who wants that exactly. support for the you know, like, like I'm people. the guy complaining about And like, I think
0: I think that expectation is unrealistic though, don't you? Aren't we sort of setting our ways at this point? We know a new NFL season's coming. We know a new baseball season's coming, we know right. a new basketball season's coming. We don't have the ingrained success that a Boston or New York has in these sports, and we sort of know what we're going to get at the same time. The Falcons especially are, I think the pulse is still pretty hot for the Falcons after that run. That was one of the most exciting runs by an Atlanta sports team in my lifetime. So I think people are still on that high, the new stadium opening. I think that passion is going
1: to carry over into the next season. As long as we don't pull the Panthers this year. Yeah. So why is it surprised did it surprise you though that that happened? That that there was there's been this much support? Yes. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Knowing though that this was a new thing, knowing the diversity of the city. But I mean just look like looking like that first game watching that stadium that did not look like any crowd I've ever seen in Atlanta. Like just how jack regular season I would agree. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it was like I felt like I was watching something like the World Cup in Brazil. Like it was just a Energy on a different level that mm-hmm. I've never experienced in Atlanta. Certainly, even when Eric Hinske hit the home run, in the you weren't there for that. Well, I was, but um, I, I secondhand. I got that right. Uh, okay,
0: and so through, through you, yeah, you're yeah. evaluating secondhand, right? Yeah, okay. I can't make, I guess, a fair evaluation because I was at the 2010 National League Division, Division Series Game Three, so. <laughs> I say that like I'm a smarmy little bastard, yeah, yeah. and yet my team
1: lost that game and lost the series. Um, yeah, to wrap this whole thing up, um, I'm going to support this team. I'm going to follow it just like I would any other Atlanta team. Um, I think for me I'll slowly build up, and maybe I'll be one of these crazy passionate fans, and I'd imagine a lot of these people that are on board now will drop off eventually, and the true Atlanta United fans will show out at the end.
0: So that wraps up this week's episode of Atlanta's Own. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, Let me spout off a couple of social media pages that we've created for the show. So we have a Facebook page. um, It's at Atlanta's Own Sports Podcast. And we are also on Twitter at ATL's Own Sports. But thank you, everybody, for your support. We've been getting some good feedback. So... um, Keep it coming. Uh, We we appreciate it. So on iTunes, subscribe if you love this shit and you want to keep hearing more of it. We're just going to keep pushing out content. You're not going to know what to do. Yep. We're going to really ramp it up. Um, And that's going to wrap us up for today. So thank you for listening. And Hospitomino City.
1: Hospitomino